Well, it is so good to be in worship together today on this second Sunday of Advent, a time of anticipation and preparation as we are looking forward to the celebration of Christ coming into the world. Our Advent worship series is entitled Christmas Present, and as Reverend Sarah shared with the children, it has multiple meanings. A present does refer to the gifts we give and receive. Present refers to the here and now, and present means being fully engaged. Last week, we talked about 28 days of gifts. Next week, we're going to ask the question, what do you give to the God who has everything? But today, we're talking about shopping for ourselves. Our scripture lesson comes from Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. As you're able, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of the gospel. In those days... Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their hometown to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Amen. Would you please be seated? There are now only 21 shopping days left until Christmas. We're all making our list, checking them twice, buying gifts for both the naughty and the nice, And if you're like me, you can't rest until the last item on the to-do list is done. But in the midst of your shopping excursions, have you ever found yourself buying a little something, something for yourself? Or maybe you bought something for someone else, and the longer you looked at it, the more you decided it belonged to you. Or maybe you bought a duplicate gift because you liked it so much. After all, who deserves it more? And we always buy ourselves the right size and right color. But I want you to lay aside for a moment those things you might want. Material presents like a 75-inch TV, a multi-carat diamond ring, the latest gaming system, or that new car sitting in the driveway with the bow atop. Instead, ask the question, What are the intangible things you need? I performed an extremely unscientific, informal poll asking people that very question, what could you use more of this season? And the two top responses inform one another. The first was time, because the season rushes by. Have you seen those Hallmark ornaments that count down the time until Christmas Day. Watching every second flip by would give me ulcers. We all need another hour in the day, a day in the week, a week in the month, just to get ready. The second response was, along with time, some peace and quiet. Some me time. Not in a selfish sense, but in just a time to relax, create a little margin, 
and be reminded of the true meaning of the season. Time. Peace and quiet. If that's what you're expecting to find under the Christmas tree this season, good luck. They're in short supply. You can blame the supply chain if you would like, but they're back-ordered, and the odds of them coming by Christmas Day are short. Because we do live in a season that is noisy and chaotic, and thinking we're going to discover some time with peace and quiet may well be a holiday oxymoron. You've heard of oxymorons, right? They're phrases that put two opposite words together, and yet somehow it makes sense. Examples are jumbo shrimp, plastic silverware, boneless ribs, fresh frozen, first annual, and some days united Methodist. There is a carol that qualifies as a holiday oxymoron as well, and it is Silent Night. Curious, anybody here so far experienced a season that is silent, quiet, holy, and bright? It seems like everything in our life drives us in the opposite direction. There's all the shopping we have to do. I know most of us do it online, but I've talked to some of you who say you enjoy going to crowded stores at the last minute to find something to purchase. I'm not saying you're crazy. I just wouldn't entrust you to handle sharp objects. Then there's home. What's the volume like there? With children fussing and fighting, the cooks in the kitchen banging pots and pans together, the resident engineer is fussing over an easy-to-assemble toy, and the TV or music is always in the background. There's school and work. The holidays seem to accentuate all the deadlines and projects that we have to get done before we can relax. Some people come to church hoping to find some peace and quiet. If you discover it, let me know. Because this is one of our busiest seasons, and there's things going on all the time. Even in worship, we seldom find any time of silence. And I will quickly admit I'm partially to blame as we plan services. If more than five seconds of silence pass, I'm looking around to see who missed their cue. But none of this should surprise us. Despite the hallmark depictions we see, the first Christmas wasn't silent. Mary and Joseph heard those words, there's no room in the inn. Barnyard animals greeted them when they got to the stable. It was followed by the sound of labor and childbirth. The angels sang loud enough to awake all creation. Dirty shepherds crowded into the delivery room, muttering about what they had seen. And despite the words of the carol that say, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes, any first-time parent knows better. That first Christmas wasn't a silent night. Therefore, it shouldn't be surprising to us, even the carol, Silent Night, emerged out of a chaotic pressure-filled moment in church life. The year was 1818 in Obendorf, Austria. On Christmas Eve, 
church mice vandalized the organ of the St. Nicholas Church. They chewed through the leather billows, destroying the only source of music for the church. The pastor, Joseph Moore, quickly contacted the village's music teacher, Franz Gruber, not to be confused with Hans Gruber from Die Hard. And together, they got together and wrote a song that was accompanied that very evening by guitar. And over the years, Silent Night, Holy Night, has become one of the best known and beloved hymns of the season. And we all know the first stanza, but most Methodists don't know the third stanza of any hymn. But listen to the words. Silent night, holy night, Son of God loves pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord at thy birth, this Christmas present given by God to the world, to a world of darkness and sin and death. God gave light, forgiveness, and life. Christmas present. But like any present, we must receive it, unwrap it, and make it our own. The fourth stanza talks about our human response. Silent night, holy night, wondrous star, lend thy light. With the angels, let us sing. Alleluia to our King. Christ the Savior is born. There's a story that comes out of the previous turn of the last century where there was a company outside of Chicago, Illinois called Reuben Donnelly, which at the time was the largest printer of magazines in the world. This is a time long before computers that had a massive machine that sent out renewal notices. And one day, a tiny little spring in the machine broke. And it resulted in a rancher in Powder Bluff, Colorado, receiving 9,743 renewal notices for National Geographic. He walked 10 miles to the nearest post office, put the money in an envelope to the company along with this note, I give up. Send me the blessed magazine. No matter how many times we say no, God says yes. The Lord never gives up on us. As fast as we run, our Heavenly Father is constantly in pursuit, ever wanting, ever desiring to be in relationship with you and with me and to enter into that saving knowledge of Jesus as Savior and Lord, in this season, we're called to sing with the angels, to kneel with the shepherds, to worship with the wise men, and declare Jesus Christ, my Savior, my Lord. And then, we're called to go back out into the world and share the good news with others. It's intriguing when you read the story, the, sh the shepherds went back to their flocks, the wise men went back to the east. Mary and Joseph got about the business of raising a child. The Christian life occurs in the ordinary, day-to-day -day work of life. We need a fifth stanza that might say something like, Silent night, holy night, God's pure love shines so bright. 
As God's children, let us love, reflecting heaven's light from above. It's our hearts that are nativity seen. The Reverend Joan Biles was a United Methodist pastor in the North Georgia Conference. And back in the 1990s, she wrote an article for Interpreter magazine that recounted an incident from her childhood. She wrote, in part, it was Christmas 1944. The United States was well into the third year of World War II, and most of the young men, including my father, had been drafted and were serving in the armed forces. Despite everything, there was a sense of excitement in the village because Christmas was coming, and we planned to gather together at the old train depot for our Christmas Eve service. And I, at age six, had one of the most exciting parts of all, dressed in the red dress my grandmother had sewn me, and in the new shoes my mother had spent months collecting ration stamps to purchase, I was to recite the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. But on Christmas Eve afternoon, word began to spread across the village that a train bearing wounded German prisoners of war would be pulling into the depot at about 7 o'clock that night. And another train coming from the other direction would be bearing American wounded soldiers. And the three sponsoring organizations discussed what to do, and we finally decided the service would go on. Seven o'clock arrived. Pastor O'Neill nodded me to begin my recitation, but then there was a train whistle in the distance. And this long black train pulled into the station with a red cross on it and prisoners of war printed underneath. And the windows were open. They were barred, but we could hear voices speaking a foreign language from inside. And then from the other direction, another train bearing wounded American soldiers. And an awkward silence descended upon the depot until a voice from the German train began as a solo, but soon was joined by others in a carol whose tune we recognized, although the words were unfamiliar. Stille not, heilige not, Alles schläft, alles schlaft. Their spontaneity underscored all the destruction that the war had brought and the peace that everyone desired. And from the American train, other voices were raised as well, and everyone joined together in singing Silent Night, Holy Night. And when the last note ended, I stood on a packing box and at a nod from Pastor O'Neill, began my recitation from Luke chapter 2, Peace on Earth, Goodwill to Men. I can't promise you a silent night, but my prayer is we experience a holy night where we are reminded time and again of who we are and of whose we are. And to be reminded, the holidays are filled with oxymorons. Think about this for a moment. A virgin birth. A human God. 
a baby Savior. Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, may it be so in each of our lives. Let us pray. Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. Glory stream from heaven afar, heavenly hosts sing alleluia. Christ the Savior is born. Amen.